3: Hello
2: and welcome to Mulby on the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks, Stanfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of your friend and mine, Mr. Jan Mulby. We've got another one in the books for you here, so let's say it once more. Good evening, Jan.
1: Yes, let's go, uh, Trevor. Good evening. I hope you're well.
2: I am, my friend. Um, I have so many things I want to talk to you about on this show who'd have thought an international break would bring up so many stories there's a lot of stuff rumbling on the background that I wouldn't mind getting your take on with other clubs we might do a kind of a rivals section seeing as we've only really one match to look forward to big one and all as it is um, and we could talk perhaps then about the next chunk of Liverpool fixtures too but um I do want to talk to you about what you make of what's going on with the Everton story between the points deduction, the new owners. i very curious to see uh, what you make as well of the upcoming transfer market, which we can't avoid because it's going to be front and center in everyone's mind now. And you know as well as I do, Jan, that if the result doesn't go swimmingly against City, it'll be the, the thing that kicks off all, all the debates will be who do we need? Because people always think you need to get someone in to fix it. And I've been guilty of that myself, as I think all fans have. So there's some of the places we're going to go. But before we do, uh, I, I know you're aware that we on Anfield Index are running a sort of series of shows um, with my podcast, Paul Dave Davis. He's doing it. And he, he's he got uh, the lead singer from the Ragamuffins involved as well. The whole series is about people's favorite uh liverpool songs the songs that they hear in the ground on match day what are the ones that really mean a lot to them and the interactions have been ridiculous. We got tremendous response to your tweet uh, beyond beyond what anyone was thinking it would be. Now, unfortunately, the people responded to your tweet, but they didn't vote in the freaking poll. They didn't go back to the original t- the tweet and vote in the poll. So we're, the, the the boys are kind of hand counting the the various uh, uh, responses and, and trying to get what they can out of it. Look, I'll get the ball rolling here and, and I, everyone knows I'm as old as dirt in terms of fandom you know and in terms of podcast involvements the the type of people sitting in this chair you know i'm i'm, I'm getting to granddad status uh in this in this game at the moment so i've been around a while i guess is what i'm getting to uh so i've heard a lot of brilliant songs over the years and i'm struggling to think jan of one that i've enjoyed more it's kind of recent in my memory as well because i was over for the last game of last season but i'm struggling to think of one i enjoy more and just got involved with more and it made me smile more than the Bobby Firmino song which has been a huge one in recent years it's got a brilliant tune it's original lyrics it's easy to remember everyone can sing the chorus it just felt like a real uplifting thing and of course you associate it don't you with wins uh, and with Liverpool being brilliant which we must get back to this team of ours we might have had a ropey season or so for ourselves but Good God, we're really in contention, so I look forward to talking about that. If you were pulling the spot and you had to pick one out, what would be, even one or two, if you don't have to stick to one, what would be the ones that you recall with most affection or that you enjoy now in the in your capacity of being in the stadium and working in, in punditry?
1: Well, I think the one you mentioned there, you've got to go a long way to beat the Bobby Firmino song. Yeah. Uh, it, and also... Uh, Like like you said, I'm 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 in the ground. Uh, I travel quite a bit with Liverpool fans and whatever, isn't it? And it's that is the one song that everybody feels joyous about, isn't it? You know, when the the moment that everybody, you know, even you could be on a train with Liverpool fans and you know some of them sing songs all the way home or all the way there, isn't it? But the Bobby Firmino song, everybody joins in. You know, you every, yeah everybody just feels that I mean I I, I have a, a a big charity uh, Christmas lunch and we almost for whatever reason sing it every year it's just <laughs> you know you just go you're doing an auction and the auction needs to be able to kick off the backside you know, and I mean you go go on let's get the Bob Firmino song going and then everybody's just left and the next thing somebody pays you two grand <laughs> you a thousand pound for it's just so it's always worked well isn't it uh, but I think the first the first Liverpool song uh I was introduced to was Scouser Tommy. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I was, I was fascinated about Scouser Tommy because, well, obviously, well, because he was, it was a little bit of a challenge at the time to, to learn a song in English. So mm-hmm. I understood all the words, you know, I was to listen to what the song was about. And I was fascinated about a song like that. And it was in the eighties, you know, it, it was the sort of go-to song uh, in the eighties, uh, uh, so, so I've always had a, I've always had an affiliation with Scouse Tommy. Uh, maybe because I'm foreign and the Scouse Tommy thing, and the way that I was taught by Sammy Lee, you know what I mean? Sammy goes, "You've got to learn the songs, son." You know what I mean? So, we did the songs together, and uh, I was always fascinated by that. And I've always known a lot about the World war because of that song, uh, the war, you know, the the, the, the war with with the carp and, and everything else, isn't it? so. Yeah, it's that's that is another song, isn't it, that brings uh, a smile but also a certain amount of what we're about really, isn't it? Uh
4: mm-hmm. you know, as
1: a football club, isn't it? You know, because yes, the football is important, isn't it? But in that song we kind of we got we got we, we got through a lot of subjects, isn't it, that, that, that really matters to to, to the people of what's our football team playing? So I think I that's an excellent
2: song. It's a great chat. It's actually a great chat, and yeah, Jim Boardman's interviewed you when I've been away before, so you, you'll know Jim. Jim and Jay have a show on the channel called Scouser Tommies, and it's not a coincidence that they picked that one. It's very much the local favour, I think, as well. So yeah, it's a great chat. Well, look, if you are interested in that, you can have a listen to what we're doing with the channel, uh, folks. And um, you know, if there's any more polls or anything like that, do get involved. Um, I just wanted to get the main take from the main man before we went any further like I said Jan there's a million things we can talk about um we'll start with the fact that the international break is now winding down and that we have um it seems most people returning comparatively intact that in and of itself is a pretty good thing and um it's been different in the past the reason I say that that's an important thing is because we're going to need everyone for this challenge that we're facing um in terms of just the international matches themselves, was there anything that you took note of? I, for one, found it hard to look away from the fact that Darwin Nunes was doing a lot of Darwin Nunes things, and that's encouraging. Uh, anything else you noted um, from the bits and pieces you saw of the international football?
1: Uh, you know, I think our, our, our Hungarian superstar, uh, yeah. Dominic Schochers, <laughs> S- I scored a marvellous goal. Uh, I was just sitting there... Obviously read that he scored uh, and you're just sitting there waiting for the goal and you think, oh wait, okay, it was worth waiting for, you know, mm. uh, because mm. the, the first was was a really nice goal, isn't it? Uh, beyond that. Are
3: you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. Just head over to Anfieldindex.shop, or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
1: Denmark, chopping their group and qualifying for for the Euros. Trevor, and then getting beat, you up know, by Northern Ireland um, and the Republic of Ireland. I don't know what to say, Trevor.
2: Uh, don't don't bother.
1: <laughs> don't bother. But oh, <laughs> the light is the end of the tunnel, I think, isn't it? Because there's every chance you're now going to change managers. Uh, I'm not necessarily a big fan of James the manager, but I don't think the boys done particularly well as he. Uh, so I think the time has come, hasn't it? I was I was in Dublin the the other weekend and talking to a lot of them and very unusual, as much as, as they all love their Manchester United and their Liverpools and whatever. There's always been an enormous support for the national team, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's sad to see he's no longer there, Trevor. Isn't he? You know the. They need to kick up the backside. They need a they need a Jack
2: challenge and walk back right through those doors, isn't it? You
1: know, and and then get something going again.
2: A hundred percent. It is demoralising because you know uh, no prouder Irish man than the lad facing me in the camera here, and it, it, it it's it's taking quite something for me to step away. I mean, I can't explain this to 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 people except to say, here's how it works. Uh, I live next door to my parents, as you know, uh, we built next door. And so, you know, I'm I'm in there a lot for various reasons, again, as you know, uh, various reasons to do with how they're getting on and stuff, but for years, the tradition was, if Ireland were playing, it was myself, my dad and my brother, regardless of what else was going on, we're sitting there, we're watching Ireland, and we were jumping up and down like lunatics, even the old man, up out of the chair like a lunatic totally involved incredibly passionate about the national team it takes a lot doesn't it man to see that drift away to feel as if you've gotten so detached and so disillusioned that you don't even do that family tradition anymore we just stopped doing it. it just it was heartbreaking it was just demoralizing i hope you don't have a spell like that with denmark because it is hard to take you know and when you're when you're a smaller nation as well with a smaller population it's not like you can just keep going to the well and changing up the pool of players and changing up the pool of ex-players of, sta- of, stand- of standing and status who are actually in the managerial game, we don't have many of those. And the most notable one of recent years in terms of high profile player, Roy Keane, well, that's not exactly worked out for anybody, has it, when it comes to his managerial career with Ireland, even the stint he had with Martin um, uh, thingy, uh, Martin O'Neill. So, yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. I think you're right. I think it's going to take an outside influence. We'll see. We'll watch this space. Meanwhile, I can go and get behind your lot uh, in the tournament, and why not? Uh, I want to ask you about, again, in terms of the couple of weeks that we've had off, there's been a lot of stories breaking. We might as well get through some of these here. Um, And I don't know how closely you've been following it, but obviously the situation at Everton was... uh, pretty fractious one in terms of uh the problematic ownership situation there was a lot of trouble there was a lot of uh unset it was very unsettled i think you know when when he when he arrived it was supposed to be the second coming that didn't work out it was supposed to be new ground that didn't work out but now we hear rumors of this 777 group and we hear rumors of i think they're more than rumors yeah i think it's looking likely to happen but Everton have had that points deduction. It's remarkable to see them lose that many points and be in a position after this next, next round of fixtures where I think they could go up to, out of the bottom three if, if things go their way. So I don't think it's going to impact their season in terms of relegating them. I, I, I honestly don't. I think, if anything, it might have a galvanizing effect. But I'd like to get your take on the points deduction, the reasons behind it, whether you're happy with that we might talk then about a few other things in relation to Newcastle and other uh, bits and bobs. But just for now, just on Everton, the points deduction, the new ownership, would you be optimistic for them, the new ground, all those chats? What are you hearing in, in the city?
1: Well, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's very raw for people, isn't it? You know, so, so a lot of people I think are generally shocked uh, because this, this, this is like a world first, isn't it? You mm. know, it's the first time. And I think the Premier League in many ways have been waiting to... Make an example. Is that the right word? Uh, I, I think they've been waiting to catch the team being naughty with the books. And to be fair, Everton haven't been naughty with the books, have they? They've been stupid. Uh, they, they've been ignorant. I mean, Everton have not hidden anything. They've, they've gone in and they've admitted to, to being over, but thought they could explain their way through it. And we couldn't sell guilty Sigurdsson because of the situation with him. And then there was COVID and what else. And the Premier League had just gone, you no. Know, I think it pretty clearly states what the rules are. Uh, And everybody else managed to stay underneath, losing 105 million over three years, uh, whereas Everson didn't. And while we talk about this and while I remember it, you know, when the financial year ends again, they're going to be in trouble again. uh, Because the, the club is a poorly run club. Uh, and because of that there's been a lot of protest over the years because the fans have been unhappy and I fully understand that we've been in a similar situation uh, where we were close to various things and wanted to be being administration so I understand all of that but I think now this will obviously galvanise them all against them uh, and I think why is there so many people upset on Everton's behalf I think that's because of Chelsea and Manchester City people are going but well, what about them well what about them? It's not as simple as that. Uh, because as of yet, uh, they'll be, let's deal with Manchester City, 115 charges, And they'll now be given an opportunity to answer 115 of those charters. Uh, and then they'll decide how many of those charges they'll go forward with. Uh, so that's something, Trevor, that's coming in the future. And people go, why hasn't that been brought to court yet? Uh, because as of yet, the Premier League is getting a little bit and they don't have enough evidence. Whereas with Everton, it was all in black and white. So I don't have a massive problem with Everton being deducted 10 points for what they've done, as long as it's consistent. You know. And if they find evidence, if they find evidence for 115 charges against Manchester City, surely there is only one outcome, and that's relegation. If they are found guilty of 115 uh, financial uh, charges, isn't it? And, and the same when it's, when it's Chelsea's turn and how much they can prove of that, I know it goes back to Abramovich, but they're also looking into a case 2008, I think Spurs selling Jermaine Defoe to to, to Portsmouth as well, isn't it? So, they are having a look. What I have to say then, Trevor, is that so the Premier League, as we know, is owned by the Premier League clubs, the 20 Premier League clubs are playing in the Premier League, and they're trying to clean up the image of the Premier League. You know, it's I think Even some of the clubs think it's got too vulgar, you know, with where the money's coming from. There's simply too much money. There's some clubs who've got access to simply too much money. I think if an ideal world, we'd all want to be like Liverpool and Manchester United and Arsenal and whatever, that you generate basically uh, your own money because you're a big club, isn't it? And then, I don't get this, Trevor. Then Thursday at the Premier League meeting, they have a vote on whether you should be able to borrow players from another club that might be owned by, guess who? Your own owners. I mean, that was... I couldn't believe... I was I just sat down and I can't believe that. On one hand, we're ready. We're going to go for Everton next. We're going to go for City. We're going to have Chelsea yeah? And then we go. But it's OK. Owners will own more than one club. So what we're saying is that finance a fair play so you buy all these players for your clubs out in Saudi Arabia and you load them into the back door it's fucking madness
2: Trevor nuts (laughs) It's very interesting, isn't it, that the clubs who voted to make sure oh, yeah. that, that thing passed were City, who actually have a couple of clubs they might like to borrow yeah, yeah. Exactly. back from, the likes of Palace, the likes of uh, Chelsea as well. Uh, you know, it's very, very interesting. And I think Everton's new ownership group will have obviously have interest in other clubs too. So, it, it you know. I wonder, Jan, though, I wonder just so that we're not coming off as being holier than thou. I wonder if Liverpool uh, had a vested interest in a club in, in 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 the second level of Italian football, or 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 in the in the, in the um, Danish the top flight Danish league, or something like that. Would we find Liverpool's name on that list as well? And is it just simply a matter of people looking after their own interests? If that is the case, it doesn't bode well, does it, for what's going to come of these vast amount of charges for city. Um, It makes me think that, you know, it's people, it's that kind of closed, closed circle. As you say, virtue signal about lessening the vulgarity, virtue signal about, we've got to clean this game up. And then it, going to allow things like that to happen where it's offering a patent the unfair advantage it's a weird one just on the thing you mentioned there you were talking about city and if, if even some of those charges uh, are proven then you know the the patent obvious thing would be that they're, they're 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 relegating it we've seen this happen in the past where clubs who are in a powerful position get relegated uh might have happened in Syria if anyone wants to cast their minds back not too long ago. Go then, take their medicine, come straight back up, and are involved in winning the top flight again within a couple of years. Now, what is there's literally nothing to stop that from happening to city. So I ask you, would it not be, and again, this is not me looking for it i I would take no joy as a fan in receiving anything after the fact. It might be nice that it was acknowledged but it wouldn't give you any joy. Those days are gone. You can't enjoy a league title where you came second if it's awarded to you. But would there not be an argument that perhaps a more appropriate punishment, if, let's say, half of those charges or a third of those charges are proven, would actually be to strip some titles when those um, offences led, perhaps, to the titles in question? What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm... I mean, obviously you mentioned Serie A and we're we'll obviously talking about Juventus and what happened to them. And I think the other sort of real profile, high-profile club is Glasgow Rangers. Uh, uh, sorry, we don't call them Glasgow Rangers, we call them Rangers, don't we? Uh, and, and what happened to them? Uh, so yes, on one hand, it would be a sweet moment if they were found guilty to strip off some of the titles. Uh, would, would that hurt them enough? Probably not. Uh, I think the only thing that can hurt them, Shrava, is to, to, to take them down the leagues. Uh, and obviously, that's going to be a big call, isn't it? But as I said before, if they'll be able to answer some of them charges, absolutely. So we're, we're probably going to go to war with a lot less than 100 charges in the end, isn't it? But I still think that relegation and hurting them where it hurts, and that's not by stripping titles, uh, although it would make sense to strip them of titles anyway. Uh, and not give them a big heavy fine because they can cope with that, isn't it? But sending them down through the leagues for a club... I mean, let's not talk... The two clubs we talk about, Juventus and Rangers, they're historically big clubs, and the they? Manchester City is still on that journey to become a big club, isn't it? And I think a lot of their new fans are probably under the age of 25. Uh, so it might even be more difficult for City... To sort of recover, uh, because they might not have the same substance as a football club as a Rangers and Juventus.
2: I think that's a great shout, and actually the key word there is then the leagues with an S, because you just popping back to the Championship. Like I say, it's a quick turnaround. Uh, if you do, I think Rangers went down several levels that time, didn't they? Uh, and it, it, it necessitated a lot of discomfort, which I guess is what you're trying to impose, right?
1: Yeah, so. I mean Rangers, Rangers went to the. To, to lead two of Scottish football and mm-hmm. believe me that's park football you know yeah, yeah. it's it, 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 it's it's basically clubs who train a couple of times a week and whatever isn't it uh so it, it just depends on what we end up in the end isn't it the only thing i can probably safely say to is that it's going to be a while before we get there uh there'll be a lot of to and from uh, and in the end will they ever find a evidence? evidence? fingers crossed that if there's something wrong that they find it, and they can be punished.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Want to watch this space. Um, the pessimist realist in me just says money always wins so I wouldn't be too hopeful but it'll be interesting to watch nonetheless we also have new ownership um, rumours at Manchester United uh, they're always good for a laugh Um, and I don't know how you feel about it currently but I would love this thing to rumble on much much longer under the Glazers uh, with constant upheaval and um, them never quite being where they were and it comes from many 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 years, a couple of decades in fact, of being spoken down to and dismissed by several of my uh, 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 Irish peers over here who are uh, rabid Man United supporters and of course online too where we were just dismissed as a, as a non-entity uh, also runs and the sad thing is they were probably right but they, they were coming at it from such a position of superiority and haughtiness that I just, I can't be upset when I see them struggle. I, it, I Honestly, it makes me giggle. I'll, I'll be honest, that makes me a nasty man perhaps but I am enjoying it. I'd like to think it's going to continue, Jan. Do you think there's a chance that the new owner, Radcliffe, and his crew, I think it's Ineos, uh, might be the type of people who are going to really steady the ship and get everything right? Or do you think there might be a chance that, He's a bit of a track record of getting involved, this Radcliffe lad. There's already talk about uh, Brailsford, the cycling guy. Uh, Maybe this could be another uh, chapter in the clown show.
1: Yeah, I think there's every chance. Uh, I do think that the product that is the Premier League is probably a better product if Manchester United are doing well. Mm. Having said all of that, this is equally a, a big story because of what's ongoing. And I think this imminent sale of 25% of the shares, it, it just doesn't make any sense. So Sir Jim Rackley buys 25% of Francis & he gives the glaciers 1 point whatever billion. yeah. But that money is theirs to do with whatever they want. He's then committed to investing $245 into infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, they need a new roof. You know, the fucking roof is leaking. They need to improve their training facilities and whatever else, isn't it? Uh, but the Glaciers are still there. They they, they will still own, uh, they, I think they own 69% of the club. So they said sell 25%, work that out yourself. What's that 40%? They'll still have that. They'll still be in overall control of, of, of the football club. What will he be able to do? Uh, I just don't get it. I understand what Sir Jim Ratcliffe wanted to buy the club and they didn't want to sell it. And then he's thinking, well, I want my foot inside the door. So maybe eventually I can convince him to sell it all. isn't And so it's almost like you can get nothing of 100% or you can get 25% of something, isn't it? And they've chosen in the end to get 25% of something, isn't it? But I, don't, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. So I cannot see a positive. I understand that. So Jim Radcliffe and David Rails and whatever, they'll be taking over the sporting side of things, isn't it? But is it that easy? Is it that easy if it's not your club? What are you prepared to do? I mean, what are you prepared to part with if it's not your club? I don't get it. I mean, okay, yeah, maybe the biggest thing they do need uh, is, is 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 some know-how, is is how to put a structure in place. Uh, that can work as a professional football club or a professional sports club. Uh, So all that in itself is interesting. But as a city, I I don't look and go. Other things could have happened to Manchester United that would have made us fearful. Uh, I I was there in the early 90s when it happened. And what happened to them was that all of a sudden they got a group of young players who were going to be very good and was going to be take the the battle up with everybody else. This time around, they needed new owners that could take the battle up with well-run football clubs because there is a number of well-run football clubs. is a well-run football club. Liverpool is a well-run football club. You've got Brighton and Brentford. Manchester City also currently is a very well-run football club. The problem we have with Manchester City is how did they get themselves to that position where they could run the football club as well as they do? You know? And by that, it was, it was the buying of players that they might not have had the money for, isn't it? But now they've elevated themselves into a position where, as a, as a football club, that as well run as anyone else is, it? but it's the journey of how they got there that that, that stinks a little bit. so that's that's what Manchester United they need they need owners that can compete with the best non football clubs in the world. They don't need owners who can throw money at it because they've been able to throw money at it with the Glazers. They've never been short of money. You know, they, I think they've spent one point four billion since Alex Ferguson retired. So the ability to spend money has never been a problem. The problem has been spending the money wise, uh, and and maybe that's where they need help. So it's one to watch out for i this current setup I don't think is the one that's going to crack it for them again
2: yeah i I have a specific question about that current setup and we'll come back to that to finish this off, <laughs> but I was very taken by what you said there about city as well being a well run football club, and as you say on the on the surface it those appear to be just a beast of a thing, and and even down to my best pals as a city fan, he brings his son over now, and they've got all this wonderful setup where the kids can go and play outside, and you know setups for entertainment, and they're really laying it on well. It seems to have all they, they've all the bells and whistles, but there is a stink still around the business side. We are constantly seeing. News stories about how they've got the greatest revenue of anyone. How? How is that possible? How is that possible if it's not them paying themselves through their handily arranged uh, sponsorship deals?
4: Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. before every Premier League match week, and then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: I don't think it's uh, t- t- too out of the out of order to suggest that that might be happening because otherwise, how do you justify? How could they possibly be making more money than Bayern Munich or Manchester United or even Liverpool, where the reach um, uh, in terms of marketing is is as, as big as it's ever been under Klopp now? Uh, and we see our club coming out with things like that wonderful Christmas ad that they come out with. Like we've got that side of things down. How is it possible that they're doing that? I don't know. Don't feel you have to comment on that if you don't want to. We can just leave it sit there. If you do, you do. But also, when you circle back around to United, because I think the most emblematic thing, the thing of the Ten Hag reign has been Jaden Sancho's career. And you talked about you don't think this current setup is going to be the one that cracks it for them. I don't know enough about it. I was just talking to Dave Davis on, on my previous show there an hour ago about this and saying I don't know much about it. You're probably in a position where you might hear a thing or two. Are we supposed to believe that Sancho's just a terrible lad? Is it is it really appropriate that a fella whose greatest defence seems to be turning up late is on the outs to that extent that, you know, Dortmund are looking for him again and there, there will be no shortage of takers for a very good footballer. Or do you think it's a situation where two stubborn people got into a situation and they're both being as stubborn as each other? Like, what, what What's your take on what's going on there?
1: Yeah, I think it is two stubborn people, but it, it was the line that he promised Manchester United he would take when he got there. And it was the line that Manchester United felt was necessary uh, because prior mm. to to uh, Ericsson Art. It, it, it was out of control the players did whatever they wanted to and so he was a line having said all of that Trevor still you sort this thing down in a, in a different way because it impacts on everything the impacts on match days the impacts on the training ground the impacts on the young players it impacts on everybody so you sort it out in a different way what I hear is that Eric Tanaghi is waiting for James Sanders to knock on his door and say listen uh, I'm really sure can you involve but by all accounts he's not going to do that so I think as a football club, even, even taking out of it to Alexander as a football club, the football club it, get in between these two parties and go, listen, we have to sort this out because it is embarrassing. And the one thing, Klopp had a bit of an incident with uh, Mamadou sako when he came to the mm. club, wasn't he Where
0: mm.
1: There was things he... But see, club was getting results. He wasn't getting great results like we are today, but he was still getting results. And people could see where we were heading. And I think that's the biggest problem with, with St. is because you look at that team and you go, wouldn't you think you would be looking for all the help you could get uh, because it's blatantly not working, is it? Jaden Sands, could play on the right. Well, who plays on the right? Anthony, who absolutely is the worst £85 million buy in the history of football. In football, you know, they, I, I can't see any of the weights ever. You know, he's the worst player you ever paid £85 million for ever. Uh, so you, you'd probably want a bit of help, you know what I mean? But so... I wouldn't say it's childish. It's probably not childish. But while we're talking about Eric Tanaka and we're talking about the current setup, I do feel that Sir Jim Grafton will come in and feel because of what Hag did at Ajax, he will feel that he's got to give this guy a chance under a proper structure with probably a proper director of football who knows what he's doing. So looking at it that way, I think the good news for us, Trevor, is that Eric is probably going to be there for a little while more uh, it might not be him spending the money anymore because believe me, that 400, not million, he spent almost every one of those signings has got his fingerprints all over it. Uh, he might not be the guy who signed the players in the future, but I think he's going to be given a little bit of time. I don't think he's as close to the door as some people might think.
2: I think that's fair. I think you're spot on there. It is a side benefit, though, when United and Everton are in such uh part of turmoil it is it's a nice distraction and I do want to look at one other rival in terms of well theoretical rival at least in terms of the size of the club if nothing else in Chelsea and you've got a transfer window coming out and we're going to have a little chat about that in a sec but with the transfer window coming out you know who's coming out to play you know who's dusting off his superman cape and getting ready to fly into action and um You also know that in situ is a manager of some stature, at least, in Pochettino. Again, I was speaking on the previous show, I think he may be elevated to a status a little bit beyond what he deserves in terms of what he's actually achieved in the game. I think that might be fair to say. But he's very well respected. It was seen as a very good appointment. Um, And you would imagine, wouldn't you, in a normal club that a manager of a high profile would be given at least some input and given a chance to put his stamp on things. We could be looking, though, a situation where you're going to get further Chelsea squad destabilisation because of the maniac who goes out buying players all the time. I mean, they need more than anything else a settled group the results have started just to turn around but you could be on the brink now of more chaos because Todd's going to Todd, you know? It sounds bizarre, Trevor, isn't it? but
1: the one thing that Chelsea need is players. You know, I look and I'm thinking, okay, if your ambition is to compete, you need better players than what you've got already uh, but I agree with the Todd thing. I mean, I was at the game the other week when they threw four forward City. What a great game of football it was. Uh But people are still talking about Todd Bowley wanted Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, when he was prepared to bring him in over the head of the, man- the manager. You know, it's, it's, it's fucking madness, isn't it? Fair enough that you maybe sign some 21-year-old promising player for 50, 60 million, but you're bringing trouble into the camp. 37-year-old or where everything needs to be about him. It's, it's, it's just madness. Isn't it? So, yeah, last two games, they've done well Chelsea, but it's been two games made for them. They played against two teams in them so they can play through them. The week before, they they, drew, they lost 2-0 at home against Brentford, a team that defends deep, and they can defend, and they're physically strong, and they're good on set-piece, and they lost 2-0. And so... I think it's too early to say that Chelsea's turned the corner, although the last two games they've been involved in the 4-1 Spurs and the 4-4 City have been marvellous games of football. But why shouldn't they be able to take part in good games of football because of the players they've got? Uh, But I still think there's a way. I still look at teams, I think Brighton is having a difficult season, but I still look at teams like Aston Villa and think, I'd rather have a five on Aston Villa to finish above Chelsea than I would have a five on Chelsea to
2: finish above Aston Villa yeah yeah and again it's to do with at least perceived stability and like i say i think i honestly think i wouldn't bank against another raft of incomings and outgoings and what will that do who knows it it may be the making of them maybe the making of pochettino all that's potential but it just feels like an unstable setup to me because of the balance of power as it as she as as it's yeah it's if you
1: buy all those young players, and I'm not talking about Pochettino here, I'm talking about the owner. Now, I would suggest that the owner is restless. You know, it's not happening, is it? He, he couldn't go on that pitch now and walk and do a Lab of Honor and get the standard ovation goodie. And I think maybe that's what he's asked for. Because that's all owners are like that in the end, aren't they? You want to make a and go, what a great owner, isn't it? So you buy all these young players for a lot of money. And most of them have got potential, haven't they? But if you don't understand the potential that means that you can't wait, and I think that's going to be Chelsea's biggest problem. There will be some of them players that are there now where you look and think that they haven't done particularly well so far, but you give them time, they'll probably do okay. But I just think that Chelsea falls into category up. we don't have time for these. Yeah, I mean, like the Ukrainian boy Mudrik for what ninety million. Uh, you know, he he certainly hasn't set the world alight, and so I could see somebody where they go, well, let's just move him on, isn't it? Because he hasn't done it as yet. Although I do see a massive potential. You know, I can see him one day, bang, when it clicks, he's going to be a great player. And so I think that's going to be the biggest problem. So Trot will now be looking and he'll be listening and be on Twitter, listen to what the fans are saying and go, we need a striker, you know, so that'll be the first thing. And then they're talking about how can you have a back four where, you're, where your best player is a centre-half who's coming up for 39 in in Thiago Silva. And so he goes, well, maybe we need another centre-half although they've got six already, you know what I mean? So I, I think it's going to be a problem for Pochettino. And, Believe me, Pochettino
2: can control him. No chance. If we're talking about comparative or potential instability at Chelsea, at United, Everton, we are looking in the immediate future. We're only weeks away from it now. What is it, 22nd of November? We're only weeks away, five, six weeks away from another potential disruptor um, event with Saudi money coming into the league and you start looking around don't you and you see who's disgruntled who's not getting first team appearances who's not doing great um, when they were expected to be top banana who could be persuaded away with a, a, a couple of um words in the ear mentioning the big numbers and Part of me thinks that is likely to happen. And then there's another part of me, and I, I think I said it to you a couple of weeks ago we were talking about poor Jordan and Bobby playing in front of 600 people. It happened again, happened twice more since we talked. Um, and, and lower again, it was 700 last time we spoke, 602 or three last, the, the time that Firmino and his team played against Henderson and his team. And by, they're by no means the big, the only big stars in those teams. So it would appear that we're very much maybe we're just in the early stages of it. There's talk about it being a 10 year project, all the rest of it. But it could also be the beginning of a fucking disaster that's not going to go anywhere. And it ends up being a big white elephant that has a lot of money pumped into it and ends up being nothing more than a very, very elaborate PR stunt for the state. I wonder where you think it's going to go. I'm looking at lads who are actually starting to get disgruntled there lads who are not perhaps the big stars or instant hits that they thought they were going to be. We know the boy from uh, who came from Celtic, Jota, and several others are in that sort of um, boat. But you'd imagine the league wants to hold on to them, right? They're going to want to keep as many of these top-end footballers as humanly possible. So what, do we start seeing sweetheart deals getting done where they move sideways to another club to keep them in the league so they can start building up this critical mass of highly rated footballers at this early stage in its development how do you feel it's going where do you think where do you think it's headed
1: well it's obviously not heading in the direction that they'd hope uh because mm. because surely they were hoping for for better gates uh maybe they weren't having massive ambitions about how big the gates could become isn't it but they would probably think if a country of that size would get bigger gates and with the money invested isn't it? so that in itself will be some disappointment. Whether that will make them change their plans, I don't think so. You know, I think certainly short term, they're going to continue to pump money in. Uh, and we're going to have this win around January. And you right, they said, clubs will be vulnerable. And even to an extent, like, we're vulnerable, aren't we, Liverpool, because we've got five strikers and they can't all fight, five players at the same time? And so we're also vulnerable, aren't we? Uh, so I think, and I, I've said this before, Travis, the biggest problem they're going to have is the players out there. You know, because they're the ones who got to sell the idea. They're the ones who, who, who's got to give the vibe off to other people and go. Because we all, we all know what it's like to be part of a professional sport. Yeah, you have an idea of how that works. What, what does professional sport smell like? What does it taste like? Isn't it? And then you go out there and you go. It just doesn't seem right. You know, it's 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 it's, it's a manufactured uh, product. There's one thing that elite sport is not. It's manufactured, isn't it? It's all about emotions and feelings, and you know, and you can't you can't survive without that, Trevor, can you? You can't survive without that feeling that it fucking matters. You know, it matters to the fans, it matters to the clubs. More importantly, it matters to the players, isn't it? You know, I mean? so that's going to be the biggest challenge. How long it'll it take before they realise that, I don't know. How long it'll take before they think, well, we pumped enough money into this and we can't buy people's shoulder with it, you know what I mean? We can, we can buy their sort of service and their talent, in it, but they're not putting everything into it.
0: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, But I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked, and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or, go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit Libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
1: You don't see the same joyous scenes, do you? Bobby Firmino scores a goal for Liverpool, you know what I mean? Out there, it's just totally not the same. is it? So that's going to be the biggest challenge. is But it will be a disruptor again in January, absolutely, because they're going to come again. For who, I don't know, but, but, but they will come for some players.
2: Yeah, two of the things you said there at the end, like you know one of those players, you know one of those players who's going to be front and centre in a big story that just won't go away. I think it'll be Peyton Bullshit, Jan, but they will start talking about Mo Salah again because uh, even Liverpool fans will start, prof, uh, you know, adding to this story and, and promoting this kind of concept of well what's the number what is the number that wrestles him away and because he's on such great form in terms of his bottom line all that you can see how that that's probably going to happen but i do i think you're on to the main point there those something like that can only last as long as the emotion is genuine and i don't know if you saw during the week but i had to laugh i mean i think you'd be like me and far more so because you are an ex-footballer, a professional footballer, you work in the game still. I'm sure you would not critique anyone for taking a paycheck that's gonna look after their family for successive generations. I find it very hard to do that. I think if I was offered that, I I don't like people moralizing about that, I think is my point I'm getting at here. But then you hear Stevie Gerrard, and he's saying like, he was talking about Ronaldo, and I quote, or the goat, as we call it. Do we, Stevie, is is that what we call him? Are we doing that? Uh, and yeah. it just, when you see that and you see the little promos that Hendo's doing, like totally natural promos, uh, you know, it just feels cringy as fuck, yeah. And, and I think I know. It, it feels like there's no, it's not genuine, to go to your point. How long can something last like that? It can't, right. can it?
1: He can't, surely not, and and Gerard's going to be a problem when he comes returns it because he'll have to explain that one uh, about the goal money. <laughs> you know, it's an easy one. Isn't it? So, uh, Thank you. <laughs> you know, somebody who's played for Manchester United twice couldn't we have found somebody else, uh, somebody who's never played in the country. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it can, it can last, it, it 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 can last because, but also for the players, is it, and for a lot of the players, one or two years would be enough, even for some of the ones who've got three, four, five year contracts one or two seasons would be enough, wouldn't it, for them to come back with an awful lot of money? Uh, So I think that's probably going to be the most likely outcome, is that this first batch of players who arrive, they'll get to about 18 months out there, and then you'll start to hear, for the ones where there's still a route back into football, that matters, isn't it? Uh, So like back into Europe or whatever. And once that starts... Because they've already thrown at them the money, haven't they? Mm. So there's no more money to throw at them, is it? You know, we we've give you all the fucking money you want, isn't it? You still don't want to be here. What's left then to isn't it? And there's Mm. nothing left, is it? You know, and that's probably when it starts to fall apart.
2: Yeah, I think people are underestimating what would do to a person's pride uh, to be pitching up in front of 600 people every week when you're used to like we said earlier on Anfield belting out Scouser Tommy's packed to the rafters and other stadiums we go to every week packed to the rafters much bigger crowds again it, it's that's going to take its toll on the soul of those players as you say yourself it's going to be very interesting to watch when the drip feedback starts to happen where people go you know fuck this it's not worth the money um, it's time to opt out so yeah look it's, it's, it's another one that we can watch with interest and I'm just aware we're getting to the top of the hour and I want to get a little bit of city chat from you um, not necessarily because we can be comparing it to any immediate form or anything like that but if you are looking at the recent runs I think anyone would have said Jan um, that they anyone would have bitten your hand off for Liverpool to be positioned as tidally as they are now going into this game and there is a reality where should Liverpool win the game obviously depending on other results and stuff like that but to go past City at this stage of the season would be quite the thing i think and it might put a little bit of further uh, impetus behind sorting out one or two of the big areas that are a potential issue in january Um, it's a massive game in many ways and then here's the other side to this jan doesn't really matter because you lose the city, you fucking lose the city. It's city. Everyone expects to lose the city. It shouldn't actually have an impact on our overall season. But if there's any little shred of ambition about winning the league, it matters in every way possible. So where do you find yourself? What side of that fence are you on? are? you still like, there's an outside hope that madness could happen and this squad could win the league, so let's just win? Or do you think like, ah look, it's almost like a free hit. Where Where are you on it?
1: Well, I think in terms of, of trying to win the league and the amount of games you need to win uh, to win the leagues and the amount of points. So, you're you talking about 90 plus points. Uh, I think we're quite, and, and that was wrong to say we're quite capable. I think we're capable of getting there, uh, even without necessarily being better than City uh, by, by 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 winning our games. In it. But the biggest problem I have with that is our waveform. So, we have to improve our waveform. Mm. Two wins away from home this season, six all season last year. So we need to improve that. Uh, so I still think there's, there, there, there's a chance. There's every chance that City on Saturday beat us, yeah? And then people go to blatantly better than Liverpool. But that still wouldn't rule out the fact that I still think we've got a chance because City have shown some vulnerability. They played 12 league games. They've only kept four clean sheets. Fella. They're, 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 not as, they're not as City as, 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 as we expected. And so, so I still think there's a chance. I just think that going to City... And I, th- I don't know what they won five, fifteen, sixteen consecutive Premier League games at home, and they're as strong as home as we are at Anfield, you know, so it's a big, big ask, isn't it? Uh, we have been a bit off it the two games after the international break against Wolverhampton and Everton, uh, but I, I think even this 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 game against Manchester City would have almost took preference for a lot of the players in the international break, isn't it? They've gone, but well, I'm already there. Uh, I'm already at the Etihad, ready for this and So I've got a feeling we'll be ready. Listen, you need to be ready, but we've also seen that if you can, if you got it, the ability to play through their press, like City, uh, sorry Chelsea did, and they did it very well. And we got same quality. You know, Van Dijk is back on form, playing well. Uh, Dominic with with his passing abilities, and so we got a chance. We have got to be absolutely spot on.
2: Yeah, it feels like that. It feels like it's going to have to be a a perfect day for us and maybe not so much for them. I think still the best eleven we can put out is a match for theirs. They just have that extra little bit of quality in the one area that we really needed in in the shape of Rodri. And I think if we had a Rodri, I'd be happy uh, for our squad to go up against theirs and be very confident of the league. I don't want to over-egg that though because I'm not one of these people who's down on, on Alexis McAllister in any way as a footballer I think it's unfortunate he has to do the job that he's doing and I think it doesn't suit him and I think it's part of a bigger issue including the whole Trent ongoing experiment which needs to be binned and play the fella in midfield or play the fella right back because it's a liability at the moment and I don't like I don't think we're a side that can afford, if we have ambitions, to have liabilities. And we have a couple of them now. We have a man doing a job who's struggling manfully to do that job, but maybe isn't suited to it. And we have another lad who doesn't seem to know where he wants to be at at any given point and is bang out of form in terms of his, certainly in terms of his defensive work. Um, And then we have the whole left-sided defender situation, which is an ongoing issue. Uh, And it even will be an ongoing issue when Andy Robertson comes back. So we have enough things to be dealing with, Jan, uh, without uh, creating extra issues for ourselves. And that trend thing always seems like one of those to me. Um, If you were to look at the, I I think it's a fairly solid squad in terms of injury and um, touching wood as as I speak here. But with all the travel, all the rest of it, do you think that's gonna have an impact or do you fully expect Klopp to go as strong as possible? I do, and for me, that's Diaz, Nunez, Salah. That's uh, Jones with the two new boys. And I think I'd like to see uh, Ibu Kanate, but I don't know where he is on, the, on in terms of his recovery alongside Virgil and obviously the two full backs then look after themselves. And you hope they do, they're defending. Um, where do you see us going? How do you see Klopp all lining up? You, am I missing a the trick there? Is there a better uh, choice of personnel, given what City bring to the game?
1: No, not really. I mean, obviously, when pulled out of the, uh, the French games, uh, I assumed I was give him more time to recover, uh, to make sure he was he was, he was ready for, 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 for this one. So I expect him to play. Uh, Joe Gomez is, is is a bit of a problem because we didn't expect that before the last game against Brentford and all of a sudden he was out of action with an injury uh, so it, it probably looks like has might have to play that left back again uh, he certainly did better against Brentford than what he had done in the, in the games before um, and when, when we talk about all this and we talk about how relatively well we've done in midfield, I still think it's our biggest worry is that I don't look at a midfield three that I know that will give Klopp what he wants in every single game. I still think we were at our best, Trevor, when our midfield worked with, with, with the three and them, Fabinho Henderson and Aldam. And, and that was the strength of us, the way that they protected the back four, the way that they supported the front three with winning second balls and all that. So I still think that I look at our midfield and I go, we've we got some really good midfield players, but I'm still looking at what is our strongest midfield three. Do we have a midfield three now that even if they don't play to the absolute best that can, can hold their own at, at the Etihad? M- maybe not. Uh, so that's a slight worry for me. Uh, and I think I would be amazed if Klopp doesn't look at that and thinking it's it, we don't need another four midfield players. We just need, I think we need one more midfield player mm-hmm. to just put everybody back in their positions and go, this is how we're going to do this. And so I'm always a little bit worried I was never worried about that midfield I mentioned before because I knew home or away against anyone they would never lay you down. This midfield, as well as they've relatively done, I still think they can become a bit of a problem. Uh, but, you know, especially against Manchester City, is I mean, you, you mentioned Broadwood before, isn't it? but fucking Bernardo Silva, you know, he's playing as well as he's ever played, and Julian Alvarez, you know, is more like a number ten, isn't it? They've got some really good players, so. But that's the challenge, isn't it? Trevor, so you play against the best. It's it's going to be tough, isn't it? I, I just hope that we can cope. And the so one thing I hope is that we, if should we lose, if we look back at the game and go, do you know what? It was a great game of football. We gave everything we had. We maybe just lacked a little bit. Yeah. Instead of us looking back and then going, he made a mistake, or that was the reason that we lost this. And that's just we just want to these two teams, to be fair, are good enough and we deserve to give us a great game of football, isn't it? Uh, the only thing that like slightly thrown a spanner in the works is, is the 12.30 kickoff, isn't it? Which doesn't lend itself to, to to great spectacle, isn't it? But there's been some belting games I've had these two 2012 over the last seven or eight years, you know, I mean? if, if we get another one of them, you know. And I think we might, I think we're going to get goals.
2: Yeah, well, I look forward to hearing how many you think they're going to be and how many on each side. And just to echo what you're saying there, that midfield, yeah, of course, that the certainty that you had with them was very much the certainty that we used to feel when it came to calling results, uh, which we're going to do in a second. But in that team as well, you had a very rigid role for Trent where he was basically reinventing what a right back does and happen to be fucking world-class at it, if you don't mind me saying so. So why are we reinventing the wheel? I don't understand it. Uh, We do have this massive game to look forward to. It's the kind of reason why you support uh, your team and why you get into football in the first place. Yeah, it's a pain in the arse. It's on at half 12 on the Saturday, but if you can't enjoy this, you know this this game ain't for you um, with that in mind you've set it up nicely we understand it's going to be a massive massive challenge uh, how are you feeling in terms of us being up to it in your predicted result how do you see it going
1: I feel. to be fair I feel okay Trevor as I said before they've had four clean sheets in the 12 Premier League games they are vulnerable you know and, and if, 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 if Chelsea could do what they did we have similar quality uh, you know the ability to go from one end to the other in the blink of an eye and then you and then you create the chances. You have got the quality. You know we've got more quality attacking wise than what Chelsea have. Um, so so, so I, I I can easily see one of those games, Trevor. We, you know end to end, and and then we're going to cost them a lot. They will dominate the ball. That's how they play. That's how they choose to play. We're not that concerned about dominating the ball when we play against the Betters. We're more concerned about how effective we are. Uh, and and, and i said before, I think we'll get our chances. Uh, they'll they'll have enough on their place to deal with us. I have no doubt about that.
2: So, if you have to call it,
1: result-wise, well, I think I think it draws a great result, Trevor. I yep. think it's a great result because also, you know, we've done reasonably well against them at home over the years. Uh, I just can't decide whether it's two-two or three-three. Uh, but I don't know. That's not necessarily on the back of them drawing four over Newcastle. Sorry, with Chelsea, with it's it's on the back of what I've seen between these two over the years, and I've been fortunate enough to I think I've attended almost every one of them. And even when I've gone to Etihad, I'm thinking, fuck it now. I'm not looking forward to this. But in every game, we cause them so many problems. You know, in every single game we played against them, we caused them so many problems. And I think it'll be exactly the same on Saturday. Uh, and as I said before, we, we're effective enough. They, they will not, for one minute, enjoy playing against half, front three, that's for sure. But, you know, we've got certainly two of the front three who would love running in behind, stretching the pitch, they're physically strong, isn't? and then you've got Mo Salah, who... Might not be playing as, as well as he's ever played, but fucking everything he touches is either an assist or a goal, isn't it? So that's the being effective I was talking about before. And so I can't make my mind up to have a two-two or three-three, but I've just got a feeling that yeah, it's it's all there, isn't it? All the ingredients are there, Trevor. You know, surely we can't fuck this one up.
2: famous last words buddy Uh, I think uh, most people would bite your hand off for that and and, and our record there is fucking wretched Uh, it's years since we won there and uh, I think those kind of stats are there to be uh, demolished and those kind of runs are there to be ended and that's what Klopp has brought to Liverpool um, since he came, all those old horrible stats went out the window one by one by one and maybe the last one we need to fix is our results at the end he had I think we'd all take a high score and draw I still hold out some sort of weird hope for a win, I don't know where I'm getting it from but I, just, I have a premonition of a Darwin madness, let's see what happens um, we have been all over the houses there lots and lots to talk about Lots and lots talked about and we really appreciate you for that. So thanks again, Jan.
1: No problem, Trevor. I mean, I, I know we've lost four one there last year and we lost four 0 at the other and we lost five nil, whatever. But I still think in every game we've been there, we we've had opportunities and it'll be the same on, 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 on Sunday. So yeah, it's great to be back, Trevor. Let's let us let us go. I mean, I know we've still got two European games uh, to go before the group stage of that completes in there. but this is a really important time in the Premier League, isn't it? You know, going all the way now to early March, probably before we'll be in European action again, that really masses it. So, full focus on the Premier League, get some points on the board.
2: We'll be here with you for that, listeners, myself and Jan, through all of those games. We'll be back next week to talk about how City went and look forward to the next game or two that's coming up. So, do stick with us. And as ever, thanks for your attention. We'll see you soon.
3: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show.